Welcome to the podcast of Vineyard Church Cardiff. We are a church that is learning to live like Jesus for the restoration of our city and the renewal of our nation. During the coronavirus outbreak, we have both online and in-person gatherings across all of our sites in and around Cardiff. So wherever you feel comfortable at the moment, you can engage with church. You can find all of the details you'll need on our website, vineyardcardiff.org Sundays. Here's this week's talk from our senior pastor, James Rankin. Really excited to be finishing our series at Live Like Jesus today. Our epic eight-week drama, no series, sorry, on uh, embracing the lifestyle of a disciple. And so I just wanted to take a moment to take us through the journey that we've been on. Uh, it's easy just to miss one or two talks, but to, so that you get the whole sweep of, of what we've been talking about. I started with this quote by Alan Scott. He said this, how do we create the kind of disciples that change communities in our, lang- in our language, restore cities? Why are there so few of those around? Instead of asking, how do we disciple those who are coming to faith? We're asking something much bigger. How do we create more of the kind of disciple who relentlessly, repeatedly leads individuals and institutions into faith? We call them disciples who change communities. And so that was the kind of the backdrop. How do we see people and disciples begin to change the fabric of our city? Disciples who help restore cities. And so I started unpacking this live like Jesus. And actually it's the goal to be to look more like him. That's that's what we're about. And in order to do that, we have to take on the lifestyle of Jesus. It starts with this dying to ourselves, this picture of baptism that we go under the water to our old life. With, that we're raised into new life. That's the moment when we follow Jesus. And then how do we actually live like him? Well, we have to be with Jesus and we have to do what Jesus did. So to be with him means to abide with him, to remain with him, to live in him, to spend time with him. And then out of that process of being with him, we begin to do what he would do if he were us. And so it's like two pedals on a bike that I talked about. We be with him, we do what he did. And that this is um, energised and empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's not just us trying really hard, it's the Holy Spirit that we partner with it. And suddenly we, we're in motion and momentum. Then for the last three weeks, we've been looking at transformation. So that's all very well. But how is it that we're actually changed as disciples, that we want to grow up before we grow old, that we want to grow up in our faith? And so we looked at transformation through the power of the Holy Spirit, transformation through community. And then last week, I looked at transformation through teaching and training. And so then coming in to finish today by looking at disciples that change communities as a result of this. Now, when I say that we're coming in to finish this series, it's almost like we're at the end of the beginning. So it's a bit like The Hobbit without The Lord of the Rings. It wouldn't really just kind of end there. But actually, this is something that we're going to be working on and into our community for, for years to come. This is, We don't suddenly go, right, I know everything about discipleship. Let's stop there. But actually, the practices of practices of Jesus that we've been talking about, we're going to start taking some of these practices and then working them into our community, working them into our lives in order that bit by bit by bit, we end up looking more like him, that we change. We don't want to be a people that look back every year and go, do you know what? I've not changed at all. I'm exactly the same as I I was. It's like, actually, we should grow into the likeness of Jesus Christ. That's the, that's the process of sanctification. So we've been talking about spiritual formation 
And there's a great quote by a guy called Robert Mulholland Jr. What an amazing name. Jr. He's got to be American. Who defines spiritual formation as this. And I found this, this quote so helpful. It's the process of being formed in the image of Christ for the sake of others. Now, what often happens is that we take that first bit, the process of being formed into the image of Christ, and then we stop there. But actually, the outworking is for the sake of others. When Jesus gathered the disciples to him at the end of his life and he commissioned them, he sent them off. He didn't just say, oh, do you know what? Stay here, hang out together, enjoy one another. That's kind of, that. that's it really. In this little cup, he said, instead, go, I am sending you. Matthew 28, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, as a result of this, everything that I've taught you, go and make disciples of all nations. That's a pretty big remit, isn't it? All nations, not just the people in front of you, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. We're formed for a greater purpose than ourselves. Now, this moment that we find ourselves in, right in the middle of half in and half out of lockdown, has a tendency to push us towards narrow lives. Many of us feel like we've been in survival. And, and when you're in survival, the only thing that you, you can really achieve is just to survive each day. That, that's the goal, is to just try and function. And so you almost limit your lives to well, let's get through the day. Let's eat something. Let's try and stay positive. Let's try and get out of the house. Say hello to someone. Your world becomes much, much smaller. And as a nation and as people, so many of us, and I'm not talking about everybody. Some of you might have really thrived during this time, but for so many people, they have been in survival. Social contacts being reduced. Workplace interactions being reduced. Salaries have been reduced. You know, jobs have, are going and have been cut. Even, even working out how to, to meet people can be incredibly complicated and difficult. Can I meet them? Should I meet them? Are they happy with me meeting them? I might feel like this, but do they feel like that? Should I just stay online? Shall, shall I send my kids to school? Should I see my family? We are risk assessing everything all of the time, every environment that we're going into. And that's pretty exhausting. Change is exhausting. And there have been some really good things about our lives having to slow down and having space for re-evaluation re and to reprioritize and to go, do, what do I want to go back to? What don't I want to go back to? But there's also been a lot of stuff that's incredibly difficult and detrimental. Loneliness, isolation, an attack on mental health. And, and for the vast majority of us, our lives have become narrower. Now, one outworking of this, though, is there is a danger that we don't concentrate on the right things, that we can become quite insular and we can begin to develop a narrative. And, I, and I've seen it all over the place. And at times I've seen it in myself as well. My life's pretty hard right now. In fact, it's harder than everybody else. I don't have the capacity or the bandwidth to care about anybody other than me. It, it's too hard. It's too costly. It's too tiring. I'm in survival. When this pandemic is over, things are going to be different and I will rebuild my life differently. But, but right now, life is about me. 
So I, this is a this is a narrative and a storyline that I I'm I'm hearing a lot. But as we try and live more like Jesus, to, as we try and be more like Him, He opens our heart and expands us. He lifts our eyes up and He reminds us that He's given us kingdom assignments, that He's purposes and plans for us. And I think that Jesus would want to remind us today that He's called us even with all the difficulties that we're finding, to live expansive lives, kingdom-focused, expansive lives. And a good question to always come back to is, if Jesus were me, in my situation, living in the place that I am, with the situations that are going on, in the workplace that I'm in, what would he be doing? How would he be spending his, his time? Who would he be investing in? Because I believe that each one of us, every single day, are given kingdom assignments by the Lord and something that only we can do. Nobody else can do that for us. It's only we that can do that. This week I've been rereading a book called Scattered Servants by Alan Scott, which is deeply inspirational and at the same time one of those that challenges everything about your life. And, and I'm using some of Alan's thinking today. Now, Alan led Causeway Coast Vineyard before going over to Anaheim in California to take on Anaheim Vineyard. It's a tough move, isn't it? You know, the Sunshine State. And, and, and his book beautifully describes how followers of Jesus are called to change communities, how they're called to bring life into spaces, how disciples live for the sake of others, as, as I said earlier, how communities are changed because God's presence and hope shine in. And at the heart of it all the time is that God is in the restoration business. He is always wanting to restore. He's always wanting to break in, to restore broken people, places and communities. And he wants to bring life into our workplaces, politics, teaching, filmmaking, business, healthcare. He wants to lease, release creativity and work into our city. And he wants to use us, his, his people, to do it. The, the church is called to be both gathered and scattered. And in this season where gathering has been so difficult and hard, it can feel like we have been scattered. It's like pff, we've got around the city to all of the different places that we're at, scattered around Cardiff into communities, neighbourhoods, people groups. And when I think of this word scattered, it reminds me of, of seeds being thrown out by a farmer, you know, going along and just sowing out th seeds, throwing out seeds. And there's another image for, of Jesus that I find really helpful. And that's of yeast mixed into flour in Matthew 13, 33. It says Jesus told still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. That's a very, very short parable but pretty profound and this image of yeast being kneaded into flour to make dough it's like us as as kingdom carriers being kneaded into the very fabric of our city scattered throughout the city to be influencers and light bringers and Jesus is saying that's an image and a picture of the kingdom 60 pounds of flour that's a lot of flour that's a huge amount but it but a little bit of yeast mixed in begins to completely change the dough. And so this concept of being scattered servants that Alan talks about, I just want to sit and, and think about that for a moment and, and, and talk about that biblically because we see this throughout the book of Acts. 
the scattered church. We see the Holy Spirit empowering scattered servants to release the kingdom of God into every place and community that they come across and that they live in. And the early disciples moved with the message and lived with a mission, a kingdom assignment that I've been talking about. And it wasn't something special, but something normal. It's not like, oh, well, we've got these few people that have got these kingdom assignments. If you're on, if you're watching this today, I'd, I'd want to say to you, God's got things for you. He's got little, he's got assignments. He's got purposes for you each and every day. It's not just this one big kingdom thing that we're waiting for. It's like throughout every day, there's little moments that he's asking us to step into. And as these disciples in Acts lived and moved, these scattered servants brought life to the cities that they went to as they moved around. And it became inconceivable that a community could remain the same when a servant turned up sharing and carrying a kingdom story. And yet it didn't begin that way right in the beginning of Acts. As the book of Acts opens, there's, there's not a lot going on. Um, Jesus has gone and the disciples are terrified and they're like, what do we do? And so they gather together in this upper room because they're waiting. They're waiting for this gift that Jesus talked about and they're praying and they're probably distraught and they're on their knees and they're like, God, you've got to show up. And that's all that they're doing. And then Acts 2, the beginning of Acts 2, Pentecost, the power of God comes in, the, the room where they're meeting, tongues of fire come to rest on them. The, and this is the answer to their prayers, the, the empowering of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it seems that the early church didn't struggle reaching or attracting people that were far from God, the lost. God added to their number daily those that were being saved. And that was the problem. What was intended to be a movement of the found quickly became a gathering for the lost. And perhaps understandably so. Their gatherings were marked by exceptional power, by deep love for one another and a tangible hope. And they are continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers, it talks about in Acts 2. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all of those that believed were together, they had all of these things in common. They started selling their property and the possessions. They were sharing with one another as, as they had need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They're taking meals together in and out of one another's houses and the Lord was adding to their number daily those that were being saved who'd want to leave that like that sounds amazing this irresistible gathering and apparently no one because as a as a community they spent three years traveling and it was so good to be together in one place and then bang it all changes and we pick it up in chapter eight in Act, acts one just these very simple words then the persecution arose and the dislocation of all except the apostles was scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Bang! In this moment, this beautiful thing that they had is just blown up. It's like, go. Suddenly the church was mobile. It wasn't intentional, but it was mobile. And those who were gathered began to scatter and their community had been blown up overnight. Can you imagine how difficult that would be? The persecution came. And those that have been scattered sowed and released the kingdom wherever they went, wherever the Lord planted them. He took this, he shook it, and then suddenly it just went out from there. Acts 8, 4 to 8. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. 
When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said, for with shrieks impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralysed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Again, a tiny little phrase, and there was great joy in that city because they saw the kingdom coming in power. Life and wholeness and the kingdom breaking in. And for a while that was the exception. And then it gathered momentum. We move into Acts eleven nineteen. Those who'd been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. Some, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. Can you see it's breaking out of people groups into new spaces? The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. The power of the Lord was present with these servants. And that power is no different to the power that we've been given today. The empowering of the Holy Spirit. Whenever they showed up, life followed. The Holy Spirit honoured their words and they demonstrated his works. Now more is beginning to happen through these scattered servants, empowered by the Spirit, than would have happened if they'd have stayed confined in this one particular location. And this scattering of the church in Acts meant that people had to plant their lives into new locations and places and communities, carrying the good news, this message of the kingdom with them, and beginning to see this yeast throughout the dough infecting it but changing it because at the heart of it scattered servants which we are as well are sent people the word sent in scripture is apostolos and it's not originally a greek term it's a cultural term and jesus borrowed the language of culture to capture the imagination of his followers apostles were sent by the emperor by caesar to establish the the culture of the empire into various corners of the earth and, and scattered servants are sent people because God is ascending God. And this has always been the case. We see this again and again in the scriptures. We see this when God heard the cries of the broken people. He sent Moses into Egypt. When humanity kind of moved away from God's design, what did God do? He sent his prophets into those situations to remind them of who he was, that of his glorious favour, to, to warn them. To speak to them. God sent John the Baptist to prepare the way for Jesus. God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Jesus then sent the early followers as scattered servants all around the earth to birth the early church. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And when Jesus spoke the words, so send I you, he was commissioning them. So like, I'm sending you. And by extension, he was commissioning us as well to operate with the same authority that he'd given the disciples and the same assignment. Go into all the world, making disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to do everything I've commanded you. His assignment was to bring life, bring the life of God, bring the life of the kingdom. And we know this because he told us, I've come so that you might have life and life to the full. But life doesn't come until someone is sent. And that's why throughout the scriptures we see this sending and part of this, part of us being Christians, part of us being followers of Jesus is that we are sent ones. Sent in glory, authority, humility and vulnerability, all of the stuff that we've got. We're sent as soon as we start following Jesus, we're sent, we're commissioned. 
We're given authority. We've, we're given this identity, and then out of that, we're given this authority. God says, it's not in your own strength. This is in my power. It's in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm sending you. The church is the group of people sent to bring life. And like I've said in this moment, gathered is tough in the same way, but scattered. We've been scattered into communities, workplaces. The Vineyard Movement's tagline is this, extending God's kingdom everywhere in every way. And scattered servants release the kingdom everywhere, every day. It's what we're made for. But it's a very ordinary thing, because I think sometimes we can think that this is for the, for the super ones. It's a lot. It's like, take your ordinary, everyday life and invite me in. Invite the kingdom in. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Take our everyday, ordinary life and, and live it generously, radically, expansively, creatively, courageously, compassionately, redemptively. Look, all of these words, all of these vision words, just take it and give it to me. Live in his story. Live out your story. Live knowing that God is with us, that he's for us, that he's in us. Yet there's this tendency to separate the miraculous from the everyday. And when that happens, so much of our lives become divorced from our faith. You know, take our workplaces. It's like we're called to bring, we're sent people into those workplaces. For as long as God calls us to be in that space, we're sent. And it changes the way that we think about everything from these environments just where God is to God is in every environment and we are bringers of the kingdom into that. And it's dangerous when you start thinking about it that like that. It's like, whoa, that changes the whole way that I think about my faith. Every single day we're given an opportunity to partner with him. In just everyday contexts. So God invites us to rethink everything. And everything, everything through the lens of mercy. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This, this vision of just beautiful, expansive grace comes into our everyday story. And gripped by this mercy, we slowly understand, we slowly understand that God's mercy is for everybody every day. And gradually, instead of our, our different worlds colliding, they begin to connect. Instead of wrestling with this dilemma of, oh, maybe I need to do more, you know, be more kingdom things. It's like, no, no, no. Bring the kingdom into your workplace. Bring the kingdom into your family. Bring the kingdom into your street. I love this idea that people are pastors and chaplains in the environments that God's got them in. You're a chaplain of your street. You're a chaplain in your workplace. You're a chaplain in your family. And then when we begin to think like that, it's like, I'm commissioning you today. You're a chaplain. You're a pastor. Only you might be in that environment. And so live that out. Be the kingdom bringer into that space. How would the way that you, you are at work and your attitude change if you were to think like that and act like that? It's like, I'm a, I'm a chaplain today. I've been given it. I've been commissioned. 
And as we begin to grasp this idea of being scattered servants with kingdom assignments and taking our everyday ordinary lives and ask God in God's kingdom to break in, our mindset begins to shift. And this narrowness of mindset that I started by talking about, how it's so easy to, to bring everything down, to, to be quite narrow, it begins to rise up again. And one really practical way of embedding this into our lives is to start the day with it, to pray for it at the start of the day and hopefully begin to read the scriptures and, and do these things, just starting every day with God. That's what we're pushing into as a community. But I'd also love, love us just as part of this to just be like, God, I'm available at the start of every day. What are the kingdom assignments that you're giving me to do today? How are you asking me to further your kingdom today? What have you got? And when we begin to live like this, our workplaces begin to change. Our families begin to change. Our, our communities are impacted. We begin to live like Jesus for the sake of others. The smallness of our world goes out. It's like, God, come. I want to share a little story from this week. Um, from a couple of guys who've just been down to Tavs. More salvation down at Tavs tonight. Uh, that's where we feed the vulnerable, vulnerably housed. Uh, had a wonderful time praying for a few guys. A, a guy we know from Open Door brought a guy along tonight to get prayer, which is amazing. So they met him the previous week. He then brought another person down because he's like, you need to be prayed for. He was at rock bottom, struggling with PTSD, severe anxiety, some incredibly difficult things that have happened in his family, which have been a great source of pain and, and led to anger with God. And as we chatted, he wept a few times. We talked about Jesus and he let us pray. And with his hands out, he received peace, his anxiety lifted, and he said he felt warmth and God's spirit was with him. Jesus was at the door and he let him in with a yes, and he committed his life to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The reason that happened is because people were in the right place, that these two who were been going down on Sunday nights into this environment were there because they were available to God to invite that person into the kingdom, to pray for that person. Now they could have easily not done that. I love this story, God breaking in through scattered servants, showing up and releasing the kingdom. It could be a simple act of kindness. Someone you know who's struggling on your street or at the school gate, get them a little gift or a thoughtful card or offer to pray for them. It could be going for a walk with someone, a, a phone call, a drink at the pub could be serving in the Compassion Task Force that's just been set up as we bless our city over this Christmas because it's going to be so difficult for so many, particularly the vulnerable, and to just be like, actually, we want to release God's blessing on our city. Could be thinking like a pastor in your workplace, your ward, your office, your shop, your family, your community, your neighbourhood. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that commissioning. God has scattered us to serve and wash the feet of Cardiff. So in finishing, in order to be disciples who change communities and restore cities, we have to live like scattered servants. We've been given kingdom assignments that only we can live out in our workplaces, communities, neighbourhoods and families. And as we partner with the Holy Spirit each day and pray for opportunities, preferably at the start of the day, it's like, Lord, what have you got for me today? How can I be your hands and feet in this city today? God will answer that prayer. Just coming back to the movement's vision, extending God's kingdom everywhere, in every way. Let me just pray. Lord, I want to be a part of seeing people and communities restored. 
but that's what I signed up for. I signed up to know you and to get my identity in you, but I also signed up to see the kingdom come because it's beautiful when you come in power. And so, Lord, we, I want to be a part of that. Lord, commission me. I know I'm commissioned already, but commission me again today so that I can go and be the hands and feet of Jesus in this city. In your name. Amen.